What's up, military millionaires, and welcome to episode, I can't even believe that I'm saying this, 200, where we're going to do something a little bit different. In this episode, I am going to do a solo. And for episode 100, I thought about doing a solo episode, and instead I did an episode with Alex. And that was great. We talked about a lot of stuff. And this episode, I really wanted to land Patrick Bed David. Uh, because I thought he'd be a really fun guest, and I could not get through his gatekeeper. That's right, I failed in the networking world, so maybe episode 300. No, we're going to get him before then. But I thought it'd be fun to do a solo episode and to talk through the journey over the past five years with the podcast. And that's about how long it's been. It started, I think the first episode launched in uh, December of 2021, or sorry, 20. 18. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk through the journey with the Military Millionaire podcast. So I guess really it's only been uh, like four, just over four years, four and a half-ish. And we're going to talk through that, and then we're going to answer. So what I decided to do is we're going to talk through kind of the, the journey real quick, and then my five biggest wins in real estate, my five biggest losses in real estate, five biggest lessons in both real estate and entrepreneurship, and the five most popular questions, most common questions in the Facebook group, which is, you know, 54,000 people. If you're not in there already, jump in there right now. Uh, but I do have an ask. I don't ask this enough. If you haven't done so already and you're listening to the show, could you please just head over to whatever your favorite platform is and just give us a review, an honest review. If you think we rate that five stars, I would love it. If not, forget I asked, no. Uh, go give us an honest review and it would mean the world and, and subscribe on whatever your favorite platform is. That's really the thing that helps this platform, this podcast grow the most. And I'm really planning to go a lot harder in the paint on the podcast this year, thinking of even ramping up to five episodes a week. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, plans for the future. And wanting to make this show so much more valuable for you, right? So make sure you're commenting down below on whatever your platform of choice is to let me know what would make this podcast the most valuable that it could possibly be for you because that is ultimately my goal, right? Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic one, Oscar Mike. Hey everybody, if you have not heard yet, we are doing a live in-person real estate event, May 19th through the 21st in Tampa, Florida. I would love to see you there. We have 50 slots, 13 are already sold, and it's only open for War Room Mastermind members. So if you are a War Room member, make sure you head on over to the Circle community and grab your ticket right now, secure your spot. If you are not in the War Room Mastermind and you've been thinking about it, Hit me up so I can get you that mastermind application and you can get enrolled and get a spot because they're selling quickly. We only announced the spots two days ago. And like I said, 13 of the 50 are already gone. 
So I'd love to have you there. We're going to have some really cool speakers. We're going to do some happy hours, some drinks, some hangouts, some networking, some restaurants, some really cool speakers, guest speakers, keynote, whatever. And we're going to do some property tours and some uh, cold plunges and sauna action. So good times for all. Come hang out. See you in Tampa. So without further ado, if you haven't heard the story, we'll keep it kind of short. But the way that this show came to be is that in 2016, 2017, I happened to be living in stationed in Oahu and I met Brandon Turner. I went to a random meetup. I didn't want to do the whole fangirl thing where you're like, oh my God, changed my life. Ah. So I like, you know, I told him, hey, you know, your books are awesome. I bought a duplex, I house hacked. It was great, you know, and I, I just wanted to say thank you. And then I spent the rest of the time networking with locals because I figured that was, you know, I probably would never see Brandon again. Boy, was I wrong. And I wanted to meet the locals. And I met this guy named Doug Nordman, who, you know, was ponytail, surfer dude, retired Navy, submarine guy. And we hit it off. And little did I know that Doug was a big-time military financial independence blogger uh, with, who ran the militaryguide.com, wrote the Military Guide book, has since written another book on, on parenting, uh, and is kind of a legend in the military financial independence retire early community, fire, military fire community. And... Doug happened to be why Brandon was on the island. They'd met at FinCon. And so I had to talk to Doug about going surfing that weekend. I go to go surf with Doug on Saturday, and I end up surfing with Doug and Brandon for like four hours. So I get to know Brandon a little better. And the next day, I end up at lunch, and I'm sitting there at lunch with Brandon, and I met David Green. And during that visit, I met Scott Trench. I, and I met David and Scott before that either of them had written a book. And this is kind of how I got into the Bigger Pockets community. This is why I know a lot of the Bigger Pockets members. So well, because I met them before they were on the podcast or the CEO or had written books, right? And so you fast forward, you know, I was trying to help Brandon find a house in Oahu. And so I was sending him deals every now and then. And he came back out for a couple months to uh, give it another trial run before ultimately he ended up buying a house on Maui. And they came over to my house on Marine Corps Base Hawaii for dinner one night. And I asked him a question about writing a book how do you write a book? I want to write one about my time in Afghanistan because ultimately uh, I had a, a journal and a mission log and I wanted to combine the two. And I still do one of these days. And so he gave me some feedback, said I should write a blog or start a blog to learn how to write. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't think I can write about Afghanistan all the time. Any other ideas for topics? He's like, well, why not just document your journey in real estate? There's a lot of military real estate investors like oh that's a good idea and that was kind of the idea I actually came up with like 10 or 15 names that were all garbage nobody liked them and my buddy Joel Carlton came up with the name uh, military millionaire but that website was taken that guy still will not sell me the domain that he has not done anything with it and so we came up with from military to millionaire because you know I in 2015 I had a negative net worth and I had purchased this duplex to house act and I was trying to go from that enlisted military guy from military to millionaire financial freedom all the things uh, which is ultimately the journey 2015 negative net worth 2021 exited the military as millionaire financial freedom that was the journey i wanted to achieve and that was the journey i achieved that was the vision uh, and that was the name of the website from militarymillionaire.com which all of you are familiar with and joel came up with the name of the website and i started blogging and i tell you i had no idea what any of that would turn into so that conversation happened in January of 2018. And at the end of January, beginning of February, 
over that time frame, I watched this video from Pat Flynn on how to start a blog. And then I did, and I was just watching YouTube videos, how to start a blog, how to start a YouTube channel, how to start a Facebook group, how to start an Instagram. And those were the platforms I started with. The podcast, I don't believe, started until November, December, after I went to FinCon, which is a financial convention for bloggers and uh, social media influencers. And I came back from that convention, and I was stoked about the idea of starting a uh, podcast, so I did. And then eventually, you know, TikTok as well, and, and things just kind of grew from there. But at the time, it was the, the blog, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Instagram was the one that kind of took off first. And then... I just started consistently trying to post content, learning about hashtags and content and colors and, and logos and, and just the basics. I had no idea. I had no idea about what I really wanted as an end goal. No idea that you could even monetize this stuff, let alone what that would look like. I just wanted a space to learn how to write, document what I was learning in real estate, share the journey, hope that maybe someone got something out of it, and really reinforce what I was learning. And then over time, people started to enjoy what I was talking about. And people started asking questions. Hey, I saw that you wrote about this. What do you think about this? And then I would get that question two or three times and I would say, oh, let me write about that topic. Or let me learn about that a little bit and I'll write about that and help this person out. Let me answer these guys' questions. And that became the basis for content. And as I answered more of the members' questions, more people came in. And they would ask questions. And I would answer more of their questions. And that just kind of snowballed until one day and I don't it was probably spring of 2020 the Facebook group went from like a hundred new members a week to a hundred new members a day 200 new members a day at one point 300 new members a day and it was crazy and it went from like 7,000 members to like 40 in like a, a year and I was like oh my goodness and you know now I mean it's still growing I mean we grew five percent in the last three months which is pretty decent growth. I mean, it's like almost 3,000 people in under 90 days, like 75, 80 days, I think was kind of the numbers there, like 2,400 people in like 75 days. So that's kind of the beginnings. And then obviously you guys know where we're at right now. So the group, the Facebook group has 54,000 people. TikTok is just at 100. Instagram's at 44. For some reason, it hasn't moved in like a year. Uh, YouTube is just under 30,000. Podcast gets anywhere from five to 10,000 downloads a month. It's been kind of sporadic because I've had issues with editors and so I missed some episodes and the consistency was lacking in December, January and that's completely on me. We were right at 10,000 a month and then we dropped to like five because of that. Coming back up, right? So that's where the you know reviews and subscribes helps as well as me consistently not missing anymore. So I've got a better editor now, building out a better team rebuilt, rehired a lot of people over the last couple of months and building, actually planned this year is to build out a media market, a media team, uh, like a, a media business to actually help other people build out the content side. So we're really going to scale that for me and then help other people. And so really looking to dive into all that. And so all of that's just going to continue to woo and just value, value, value. Right. And so that's the thing. And that's the goal. So there we go. That brings us present day. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the real estate side and the business side and everything else. But uh, long and short of it is this is the largest military real estate investing platform in the world uh, that I know of, right? Um, there's a couple other platforms out there that have, you know, decent sized Facebook groups or, or whatever. But if you, if you add all the communities in, 
by far we are the biggest and uh also you know we're okay if you join and, and never buy anything uh, we're not we're here with i mean 90 percent of what we talk about is free yes there are you know i have a mastermind group you've probably heard of the war room real estate mastermind or, or not even a real estate we're, we're adding a lot of more other stuff in there to not be just real estate specific but War Room Mastermind Group, which is phenomenal. I've got 204, 205 people in it right now. They're just crushing it. Uh, I'm not the big fish in that group. So the War Room Mastermind is amazing, and the value that you get in there for the price is just crazy. Uh, I probably, all my mentors tell me to raise the price, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and so, yes, we have that. We have some courses. There are things you can buy, you know, the book, the planner, whatever. Um, I'm not here to shove it all down your throats. The, the goal is for you to get a ton out of this community, right? It, we try to keep it spam and solicitation free. And, uh, you know, I try my hardest to keep uh, agents and lenders and, and insurance reps and Amazon automation peoples from the group just from spamming. And, uh, you know, try to keep it to like our recommended agents and recommended lenders who are moderators and uh, our list of people that we recommend and vet uh, and really try to make it valuable for you guys. And that's the goal, right? So... Without further ado, my five biggest wins in real estate since 2015, starting off with number five, 1547 North Colgate Avenue, which was my first duplex. So I bought this thing with an FHA loan for $81,000. Actually, I think it might've been like 79, but whatever. Uh, put like $3,000 down and another thousand into like flooring and stuff. And I went from paying 550 a month to rent a two bed, one bath apartment to, you know, basically, the same was my mortgage, but a tenant was paying 425. And so I was living for like 125 bucks a month. And then when I moved out, that thing's cash flowed basically ever since. Um, currently it's rented for 1350, 1325. And I have refinanced it once, but even still my mortgage is like six or 700 bucks. And so it's still cash flows, uh, like two, 300 bucks a month, like cat clockwork. In fact, it might even be closer to 400 right now. And doing great actually just getting pictures taken today to list it on the mls for sale uh i think i have a note on it right now for 115 i think at 113 actually we we paid some down um but i think i owe 113 on it and i think we're gonna list for like 190 ish uh, so kind of excited about that um, kind of bittersweet to let that property go but you know we're gonna take the cash from it pay off whatever little bad debt we have left and hold some capital just to see what the future holds. Uh, number four, my CCF membership, Create cash flow with Ryan Dossie. He hooked me up with the membership at a really good rate because he knew that if he provided a lot of value, I would talk about his platform, give him some exposure. And when people asked me about getting into wholesaling and, and his program, I would, you know, if I had success with it, that I would recommend it. I think that played out well for him because I know at least three people, if not four or five or more, that have joined his program after reaching out to me and asking my thoughts. Either they were on the fence or, in one scenario, a private lender of mine who had, we had done three or four deals together was like, I'm thinking about doing this myself. And I pointed them in his direction and they joined the program, right? So I actually lost a private lender to his program. Uh, and then just last week, somebody asked me, you know, hey, I'm on the fence. What do you think? And I said, yes. So... Uh, that program helped me out a lot. And so getting into wholesaling and flipping was a win for a long time. It was ultimately not a business model that I was in love with. So I do not do it much anymore, but it was a really good skill set to learn. Uh, number three, all the partnership opportunities, right? So I'm in an RV park. 
that I am not the operator in. I have very I have 10% equity and I didn't bring capital. I don't run ops, but I put all the partners together, brought my lender, brought my LLC uh, people, and I do like the Google business page and some of the online ad generation and the SEO stuff, and, and that's pretty much it. Uh, that's a cool partnership. Uh, I have another partnership that's 50-50 with another member of the War Room and one of my best friends, and we bought that portfolio for 200000 It was uh, It was four houses, five units. We immediately sold one of the houses, so we owned three houses, four units. Uh, we bought it for two hundred. After we sold the first house, it appraised for two eighty for the other four houses, and so we each pulled fifty thousand out. Still, cash flows or breaks even, and we're probably we're looking at maybe selling one of them and or all of them, and and you know who knows, right? So, some decent opportunity there. That property, that portfolio has done well. Uh, I've also co-sponsored a syndication with Derosa group, which is Matt Faircloth's group, helped raise some capital there and been able to really see what a good syndication looks like. And that was awesome. And some other cool partnership opportunities, including a uh, deal that was with two apartments and a hotel. The apartments are crushing it. The hotel has been kind of a pain. You'll hear about that one in a minute. And, you know, that one's been fun as well. So lots of partnership opportunities. Uh, number four, 829 South Douglas, my best single transaction ever so far. So this was my second deal. It was a 10 unit. I bought it for, well, we were under contract for 225, closed at 212.5 due to inspection stuff. We just dropped the purchase price. Because of the way we did that, the bank lent me 85% loan to value. Seller carried 10% and I had to bring 5% down. Uh, I think off the HUD, I had to bring $10,990 down at the closing table. And the seller brought 10%, the bank brought 85%. Ultimately, we refinanced at one point. We closed at 212.5. I sold it for 340 four years to the day later, and that deal crushed it. Cash flowed almost every year uh, that we owned it, and I absolutely loved that deal. So uh, that deal was phenomenal. Um, a lot of other cool stuff that went into it, but we're just going to try to keep it at that. And number one, the biggest win that I've had in real estate is people I've met along the way. Networking. I'm a connector, right? And that's kind of my superpower is networking. But the people that I have met along the journey of real estate, by far, that is the biggest win for me. And it has been, right? So definitely get out there, make some connections, network. If you're really looking to improve your network, uh, shameless plug, again, the War Room, solid community. It's for service members and vets only. It's the one thing that we do that's actually only service members and vets. No mill spouses, no... I mean, I'm sorry, like nobody, nobody else. Just, you have to have either a DD-214 or be currently active duty or reservist. Um, my partner on the hotel, who's a military spouse, the, the group said no, sorry. Like I asked them like, hey, can this guy join? He's a millionaire, he's a military spouse. And they were like, nope, sorry. And so is what it is. Um, that's just, you know, it creates that really tight bond. So if you're a service member or a veteran and you wanna get in that community, this is the place for you. All right, so my five biggest losses since 2015. Some of you probably know what at least one of these is if you listen to my recent episode on Bigger Pockets podcast, show 734. But number five is 830 North Prospect. Actually, my buddy Hugh, the guy I just mentioned, the the depend the mill, the mill spouse, um, Hugh owns a property right across the street from this one. And we're neighbors. 
So I did a full renovation on this, probably went a little overboard. In fact, I went 20,000 over budget, but burned out, was still able to pull all my capital out and like $5,000 paid off my project manager, all my people, basically broke even. I think I pocketed like a tiny, tiny bit and we were able to, uh, you know, it was gonna cash flow a decent amount because we got like, I think we got like 1,200 in rent. I mean, we got a decent chunk of rent, better, better rent than I originally ran my numbers on, on this property. And so everything's great. I was stoked. It's next to Ozark uh, Technical Community College or whatever, like OTC. Um, good little area. I was glad that we kept it. Everything's great. And like two weeks after this tenant moves in, call, hey, the sewer's backed up. Like, oh, shoot, we spent like, one of the reasons we went like 20 grand over is we spent like 12 grand on plumbing stuff that we hadn't anticipated. Uh, what's wrong? And long story short, without getting into all the details, the sewer line off the city shot and it was split off way back when in a weird way part of it runs under a neighboring house and we're basically sitting with our thumb up our butt waiting on an easement from the city to be approved or an easement from the homeowner that they've signed to be approved by the city so that we can get the permit so that we can do the work with a plumber and dig it and do it and blah, 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 for like a six inch easement um now it's it's more than that but anyway well it's a six inch easement and then like the rest of the pipe but uh that being said it's gonna be like a ten or twelve thousand dollar fix is my quote but it's been like six to eight months now and i'm paying six seven hundred bucks in you know holding costs like mortgage insurance taxes on this property and missing out on twelve hundred or twelve fifty whatever it was that it was rented at during that time so essentially costing me, you know, 1250 a month um, just to do nothing while waiting on paying that expense. So definitely been a pain. Um, had I sold that house instead of doing the burr, I probably would have walked away with fifteen or $20,000 and I wouldn't be stuck in this problem. So, you know, but hindsight's 2020, no one would have seen this coming. So uh, I guess lesson learned, I could have snaked the sewer. But I mean, we had the plumbers out there and they looked at everything and thought it was good. So number four, 944 West Central. I bought this fourplex. It was in pretty rough shape. I had four tenants in it. So I bought it for 90. It was currently rented for 2000. And uh, initial plan was to just boot everybody because they were all month to month and it was in pretty rough shape. Boot everybody, renovate it, burr out. And when we went in, I asked my property manager like, hey, uh, the tenants are all paying right now see if they will just sign a one-year lease, all of them, at the 500 bucks. Because in my head, I'm like, well, if I can get them all on one-year leases, uh, then that just gives me a whole year to enjoy the $2,000 a month gross rent at a 90,000 purchase. And then a year from now, it's one, turns, one moves out, I'll renovate that one, and then I'll renovate the next one, and I'll just, you know, I'll do it that way. I'll cash flow the renovation rather than doing it all up front and then burring out. And I should have just done it that way. That's what I normally do. And uh, for some reason, I figured this would be easier than booting everybody because they were paying. Uh, turns out two of the four were a mom and a daughter. And then the third was like a friend. And so one of those two decided to move out and then the friend moved out. So three of them just poof, uh, like four months in. So the first three months was great. Cash flowed like a king, best property cash flow ever. Three of them moved out basically immediately, like all within like the same week. 
And then the last one basically was friends with a bunch of homeless people and let them all move in. And I had like 15 homeless people move in all at the same time and got to play like fight the city for like six weeks. And yeah, I had like, I got to play like, is that, what kind of pills are those? Is that heroin? Is that crack? Is that, what are those needles? All the drugs, all the games. Uh, ultimately sold it to some friends who turned it around real quick. Uh, they did what I should have done and burned it out. Um, and I, I still think I came out like $5,000 in the positive on that property with cash flow and everything because uh, I sold it for the exact same price that I paid for it. And I did collect that cash flow that was really good for four months. Um, so I think I, I think I still came out on top because it was off market on the sale. So I didn't pay agent commissions. Um, and yeah, so not really a loss per se, but just mental headache, right? Uh, number three, the Majestic Steakhouse. Ultimately, we broke even, if not made a little bit of money on attorney fees and interest over the course of this four-year lawsuit, but this lease option was a bear, and I learned so much from this deal, and this lawsuit was just a monstrosity. And I could go on and on and on and on about this, but honestly, just go listen to Bigger Pockets podcast 734, because it's a full like hour-long episode where we dig into every possible detail about this and even talk about like the case net, you know, notes from the judge. So go dig into show 734 over at Bigger Pockets where I really air everything about that specific deal and it, it's crazy. But uh, that deal's definitely up there. Number two, the Ramsey flip. So my first long distance flip and I lost 30 grand. Uh, long story short, you know, contractor was saying he was doing stuff and wasn't. And, you know, I had my wife bring them checks, but she didn't really know what she was checking for. And I didn't really have her going in the property to check. Just had her meeting him somewhere public. And I should have just had my property manager going by to check on the renovation for me or another in, like local investor friend. Um, I shouldn't have had my wife doing that while I was out of town. Um, that was when my wife had moved back to Missouri prior to me getting out of the military for that little period of time. And yeah, I just, I should have, you know, I should have left that, um, ultimately I should have just left that up to my property manager or a friend who was in real estate. I shouldn't have put that stress on her. Uh, and it bit me because he was not doing what he said he was going to do. At one point they said that tools and materials had been stolen off the job site of like 10 grand, but they didn't have receipts. And, uh, ultimately if that's the case, it's not my problem, it's their problem. And especially if they don't have receipts to prove they ever bought it and uh, they have insurance for a reason. And so, you know, uh, we got with the district attorney for the state, like secretary of state, uh, to try to go after them and their license. And, uh, you know, I never really heard back on anything from them. So, and then number one currently is the Buffalo Lodge, our hotel. And this deal is not necessarily terrible, um, but it's been just a pain, right? So we didn't know anything about hotels. We didn't know anything about managing a hotel. We didn't know anything about owning a hotel. Uh, we didn't know anything about running hotel numbers, um, due diligence, I mean, you name it. And so we bought this thing in a package with two apartments and a single family off a single family mailer. And the numbers based on what we were given were awesome. Um, and we just didn't account for like not knowing how to manage, not knowing expenses, not realizing expenses were gonna go up as much as they would as we increased occupancy. Um, and just a whole lot of things. I mean, we turned over staff twice in the first six months. 
we should have just brought in a live-in manager right off the bat, like a husband-wife couple, which we have now, instead of bringing our whole team up there. Um, should have brought in professionals. We should have, you know, done a better job underscoring the guy we bought it from's uh, numbers. Uh, a lot of things. And so we've had to do some capital calls over the last year. Uh, nothing like crazy, crazy, but it's a good thing that the three of us, the partners, um, do have some additional income because if that was like all of our money that had gone into this thing, we either would have to, like the three of us, manage the hotel because then it would be profitable for sure, uh, like live in it, you know, deal with it ourselves. Um, or we would, have, I mean, it would really hurt. Um, but, you know, all's well that ends well. Uh, currently we are in the process of discussing, uh, we're, we're in the process of selling. Uh, we've got a couple different offers pending um, and a couple counters out. And there are two really competitive ones right now. And if either of the counters or, or offers ends up coming through even close to where they're at, we will end up breaking even at the sale um, and pretty much breaking even to recouping our entire capital call plus initial uh, down payment, I believe. Um, and, and then some. So I think we might still come out profitable on the hotel, uh, if not break even and tons of lessons learned. And ultimately the two apartments that we bought in the portfolio uh, have increased, I think combined, let's see. So they appraised for a combined, what they appraised for, combined like 1.75 or 1.8 million last month. And the whole portfolio, including the single family and the hotel, and the hotel we bought for 950, appraised for 2.325 when we bought it last year. So, you know, half a million, at least, increase in equity on the two apartments in the last year, and they're cash flowing four or five thousand dollars a month right now, uh, and still have vacancies to fill. So we should be able to get those things up to six, seven, eight thousand a month uh, in cash flow, and so. Ultimately, we're going to come out on top, and we're going to recoup, we're going to be fine, uh, but, you know, that's the one, right? A lot of lessons learned. So, five biggest lessons in real estate and entrepreneurship since 2015. So, be careful who you partner with, and be slow to give up control or ownership in anything. Um, this is not just a lesson from me. I've seen this time and time and time again. Uh, people partner because they hear, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far go together. Uh, sure, maybe sometimes, but you got to make sure it's the right person. Don't just jump into partnerships. Um, partnerships are like marriage. Sometimes they work and they work great. And sometimes they don't. It, it is what it is, you know, and you don't know until you know. And so there are great partnerships and there are not so great partnerships. And unfortunately, I've been on the, well, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, I've been on the end of both, right? So the receiving end of both. Um, I've had uh, employees that I thought were going to be partners who didn't turn out so hot. And I've had, uh, you know, some deals that have gone really well with partners. And so I would just, you know, say, you know, make sure that you identify those areas up front and you know what you're getting into and you set boundaries and make sure that if you're getting into a partnership in your operating agreement, you outline roles and responsibilities, but you also outline conflict resolution and you know what's going to happen if things do go south and you have to disperse because the conflict resolution and the dispersion and all of that stuff 
may not seem important right now, but it will be down the road. It's like a prenup. You want to have it outlined before you're angry because you might love each other right now, but when the needles come out, when the knives come out, the nails come out, the teeth come out, whatever you want to say, when people get angry, crap happens, shit happens. So fuck it, just get it out while you're happy because you'll be way more amicable right now than you will when things go south, right? So hopefully that never happens, but do it now. So partnerships, sometimes they're amazing, sometimes they're not. Just prepare for the worst because if they're meant to be a good partner, they will understand and they will want you to not have a terrible experience if things go south. It's a major red flag if you say, hey, let's outline in this operating agreement how to be civil if we have a falling out and they fight you on it, right? Major red flag. Uh, <clears throat> stick to your guns and trust but verify. So, you know, put your foot down, hold your ground on your partnerships and on what you believe in your deals. Um, you know, like that lease option deal, if you listen to 734, you'll hear like, hey, there were things that were supposed to happen that weren't. And I had to trust, you know, kind of what was going on, but I had to verify that it was actually happening. But I had to really, you know, stick to my guns on like, you know, this was actually supposed to happen. What's up? Why is this not happening? You know, had I just kind of taken it, uh, who knows where we'd be right now. Number three, never underestimate the lengths that people will go to gain access to your brand or network. Um, basically just protect your reputation. You know, who you are and your reputation is extremely valuable. And, uh, you know, especially if you're like an online platform or brand, I would argue it might be like the most valuable thing. And you need to protect that at all costs. And unfortunately, people will, you know, go after it. They'll, they'll try to get a hold of it or be a part of it or find a way to have an opportunity or whatever that somehow benefits them massively by utilizing, you know, gaining access to your brand. And so you've got to really make sure that whatever opportunity you put in front of people you know really benefits you and that if it doesn't benefit the people that you're putting it in front of, isn't going to come back and haunt your reputation. Uh, number two, always, oh my gosh, always consult your attorney sooner than you think you need to. I cannot tell you, I think almost, if not every, almost every time, if not every time that I've called my attorney about a problem, he's told me that if I'd called him sooner, it would have saved me a lot of money. Um, like to the tune of like tens of thousands of dollars. So just know that you should call your attorney sooner than you think to. you need to. Even if you're like, oh, I don't really know, like consult, call your attorney, spend the money, consult. Or a lot of attorneys will do like a free consult, but call and do a one hour consultation, right? If you're like really up in the air, but calling your attorney, and talking to them about a consultation, like doing a consultation or just asking them what they think about various things will save you so much money. Having them, before you enter an agreement with somebody like a potential partner or an affiliate market, like a, like a relationship with a business or, 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 you know, an agreement for market, whatever, have them look at it. Just, they will save you money. Uh, before you sue someone, before you, if you think you're being screwed, if you don't know what your rights are, if your partnership's about to split up, if you got an employee issue, if you're hiring someone, if you're doing a non-compete or an NDA or, I mean, whatever that thing is, your attorney should be your go-to, right? And you should consult with them sooner rather than later. Because in almost every case, in fact, every case probably, it'll save you money one way or another. Uh, and then trust your gut. Trust it. I struggle with this still, but the more you trust your gut, the more you lean into trusting your gut, the faster you'll make decisions and the better you'll make decisions. You should not be second guessing your gut. 
Uh, if you want a good book on that, check out the book uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, but uh, or um, Thinking Fast and Slow, both good books on trusting your gut, and uh, trust it, do it. If your gut is telling you to do this, trust it, right? Okay, so top five questions from within the Facebook group answered. Uh, this one's not necessarily the top five, but we do get this a lot. So infinite banking or people being pitched about like financial advisors and Amazon automation. Uh, so if people in the Facebook group are pitching you off to the side or saying, hey, DM me, um, and then you get into there and it's some crazy opportunity about, you know, Amazon automation or uh, infinite banking or uh, becoming a financial advisor or selling travel opportunities or a travel advisor or um, Sensi or some other multi-level marketing thing or like some opportunity to become wealthy, building your own business on your own time, building your own network, uh, you know, whatever that they have to talk to you about privately in Facebook and they're not willing to tell you exactly what they do like in detail in the Facebook group. If they're not willing to give you the keys to the kingdom in the Facebook group and they have to insist on messaging you off to the side, that's a major red flag because they're probably trying to sell you some BS that they know if they post publicly, everybody will tell you is BS. Uh, as far as the infinite banking, check out the podcast episode with Will Duffy. You can go to familiar for militarymillionaire.com slash Will Dash Duffy, or you can just go to the website and search Will Duffy, D-U-F-F-Y and, or Brandon Jenkins. And those are both great episodes to talk about this in length. But long story short, if you can't overfund it with six figures, then you're probably not in a position where it really makes sense. Uh, infinite banking and whole life insurance is a great strategy for capital preservation. It's not a wealth building strategy. So it's toted that way uh, because the people who sell it make more money off commissions through those whole life policies than they do anything else. And they talk about how you can earn your money, earn interest on your money while it's out and, and earn it while it's out investing and it's also earning interest over here and you're double tapping and all this other stuff. But most of those accounts are not direct or are not uh, non-direct recognition. They're direct recognition, which means that they actually don't earn interest on the insurance side while the money's out and those reps don't even know. And so a lot of the stuff that you're being sold is like, if your policy was structured this way, you could do this. And if it was structured this way, you could do this. And so they tell you like all the different things that you could do if it was structured one way, but then like it can't be structured all of those ways at the same time. And so it's like, it could be this or this or this or this, but it can't be all four, but you're being told it could be all four. And you just kind of like, it's a big web. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to tell and it sounds way too good to be true because it is most of the time and just be really careful. Um, don't liquidate your TSP for it. Don't buy into the fact that 401ks are worse than insurance. Anything in the stock market, index funds, 401k, TSP, tax advantage, whatever, in securities, like in the stock market, long-term will absolutely outpace your insurance account all day, every day. Anyone who says otherwise is selling you insurance, guaranteed. Um, because anyone who can put money, put $100,000 in both freaking accounts and zoom out 50 years, doesn't matter what day you put it in the stock market, even if you put it in the day before the 08 crash, guarantee the stock market will win. Sorry, it is what it is. Um, so, all right. Number four, thrift savings plan. Um, 
go check out the YouTube channel or the blog and you can type in TSP Thrift Savings Plan. Tons of content, tons of articles there that will talk about the Thrift Savings Plan in general. Long story short, I recommend that people read the book uh, Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. We actually have a podcast episode from him as well. So same thing, you can go to the website and search J.L. Collins or frommilitarymillionaire.com slash jl-collins. And I'll put all this in the show notes. And um, that uh, book will tell you a lot about different index fund strategies, which is very similar to the TSP. And it'll also tell you about TSP fund recommendations. Um, there's also an article from Rich Carey, a good friend of mine and also former podcast guest, uh, that talks about TSP fund allocations and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And so those are all good for you to do your own research on what fund you want your money to be in. If you don't want to take the time to do all that homework and all that research and kind of keep up to date on what funds you want your money in as you get older, because you should change it from more risky to less risky as you age, then just stick it in the life cycle fund that best correlates with the age that you plan on starting withdrawing, which luckily now all of those funds start at in the life cycle like that uh, and just leave it there. And I know that you can do better than the life cycle fund if you do it on your own, but if you're not going to take the time to research those funds and, and understand them enough to change your allocation over time, then it's probably not best for you to be playing with that. Number three, uh, personal finance in general. Um, there's so much here and I could dig so much into this, but I mean, the bottom line is don't take on debts you don't need. Don't spend money you don't need right off the bat. When you first join the military, you achieve entry-level financial freedom. You know, make sure you keep your credit good. Don't take on debts you don't need. Save a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, stick it somewhere. Even if you don't know where to invest it, just stick it somewhere until you find out. Do some learning. If you haven't grabbed my book yet, you know, you can go to Amazon, you can go to the website. I'll link to all that as well, but you can also get the free PDF. Um, you know, and do that learning. Save a little bit of money. Don't go into crazy amounts of debt. When you're ready, use the VA loan and house hack. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but but the I have a free course that's like an hour, hour and a half long. It's uh, actually the, the you can watch the video in one swoop and it's 45 minutes, or you can watch the individual courses. They're a little bit longer on each like PowerPoint slide. It's like an hour and a half, and it's actually built out to where you can print the, or you can take the PowerPoint presentation then and go give it to your unit if you would like to. And uh, so if you, I'll link to this down below as well, but that if you just go to the resource page on the website, you'll see the free personal finance course there, uh, but it'll be in the show notes as well. So I encourage you to go download the free course. Uh, it's a personal finance course that I made for service members and vets, and it's way better than what I could give you in two minutes on the podcast. Uh, the VA loan, that is obviously a very popular topic. In fact, this probably should have been number one, but I put it as number two just because recently number one has been a little bit more popular, but... VA loan, we get tons of questions. There are so many misconceptions still. Some of the most popular uh, or most common, you know, there's no limit to your first time use. You can buy a million dollar home with the VA loan. Uh, you can use uh, the income, 75% of the gross rents received from the tenants in your property, even if you don't have property management experience. And you might have to hire a property manager for that, but you can. Um, there's no minimum credit score requirement for the VA. Most banks have their own, but the VA doesn't. So if a bank is telling you 620, you know, ask around because other banks will do 600 or 580. Uh, debt to income, you can go. There's not a minimum requirement for the 
VA. So I've seen over 70% debt-to-income ratio approved for a VA loan. Uh, again, every bank might have their own overlays, so you'll have to ask around, but um, the VA doesn't have their own requirement. The inspections for the VA aren't as bad as you think. The FHA is worse. The appraisal process is not as bad for the VA. In fact, I think it's better. And the, uh, the process for rebuttaling a VA appraisal is better than the process of rebuttaling an FHA or a conventional. Because with a VA or with a conventional or an FHA, if there's an issue with the appraisal, uh, if you go back to the appraiser, you go directly to the appraiser and then their ego gets involved and they're like, oh, you're telling me I'm wrong and blah, 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 and they're going to dig their heels in. With the VA, you go directly to the VA, the appraiser doesn't even know you went over them, and the VA doesn't care. There's no ego involved, so you actually have a chance. Um, and they can actually rush it if you're like, dude, the veteran's going to move in in like two weeks, they're going to be homeless, oh my god, like they can actually... So the VA can pull some strings, it can work in your favor, right? So um, long story short on this is if... The service member or, or if, if you're being told by your agent or your lender that the VA loan is not competitive in your market, then that agent or lender is really just not the right agent or lender for you. And I would be happy to recommend somebody that I think would be better. We've got people in almost every market. Uh, so you can go to the website and click recommended agents and lenders or just hit me up or hit up my team. Um, you know, we've, we've got them everywhere. And I tell you in every market through Throughout the craziest times over the last few years, we've been helping service members and vet, vets crush VA loans. Uh, we've even seen 14-day closings in like Orange County and San Diego in 2020-2021. Um, I've got a lender that can guarantee a 17-day close even now in San Diego and Orange County, right? So it's crazy what some of these people can do. And people are like, oh, the VA loan is not competitive. Dude, are you kidding me? 17-day close and they guarantee per diem if they're delayed? Like the seller like that's nuts i don't know a conventional lender that'll do that not really so the va loan is super competitive it's the best primary residence mortgage on the market if your lender and agent aren't saying that they don't understand it and that's okay that's not on them we aren't they aren't taught that when they get licensed you have to go out of your way to become an expert in that the best way to do that is to learn the va guidelines and so if you're being told no on something it's usually a bank overlay and so just go double check the VA guidelines but if you got questions feel free to keep asking them in the group or reach out to me or or just click that recommended agents and lenders button on the website and we will get you introduced to someone who knows what they're doing and can help you out and number one side hustles there's so many options here and the best thing I can tell you is I've got a blog post with I don't know 45 50 options uh, for side hustles that I love that you should go check out uh, we've also got a website called, or a Facebook group called Military to Agent. So if you're looking to become a real estate agent, which is a great side hustle uh, and full-time gig, uh, you know, we're, we're helping people in the community do that for free. We've got some training and stuff. And then, I mean, the, we're helping them, like, teaching for free. Uh, the licensing and stuff is not free, but we don't run that. Um, but, you know, feel free to go join that Military to Agent Facebook group. And then, uh, you know, or ask about it, we'll point you in the right direction. Uh, but there's a ton of side hustle options. And so if you want, uh, you can go to the website and just type in how to earn extra money or, or side hustles, and you'll pop that article up. We'll link it to the show notes as well. I could just name a ton off, but I mean, ultimately, it depends on what you enjoy, right? And I mean, you could start a business, you could buy a business, you could be investing, you could be driving for Uber Eats or yeah, 
you know, InstaSpark or whatever it's called, uh, um, doing groceries. You could be taking pictures for real estate uh, agents. You could be doing freelance stuff. You could be blogging. You could be YouTubing. You could be wholesaling. You could, I mean, uh, mobile notary is a good one. There are a ton of options here. Start a cleaning business. Be a cleaner for like Airbnbs. Uh, be a property manager for Airbnbs. Being um, Airbnb, Airbnb arbitrage. I mean, there's there's a, there's just so many options. Uh, so just don't limit yourself. So, all right, that was the five most common questions. I think that about wraps us up for episode 200. I didn't want to keep you guys here all day, so I hope you got something out of this like overview of the community and things that are going on and. Uh, I did want to just go ahead and plug a special offer. Uh, and, and I actually hadn't even thought about with my team, talked about with my team what this should be. Um, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. And they're going to kill me. Okay. All right, here's what's happening. If you use the code... Episode 200. So it's just going to be one word, all caps, episode 200. So E-P-I-S-O-D-E-200, the numbers, episode 200. That, and I'll leave the code down below in the show notes. Uh, if you sign up for the War Room, which the link will be down there as well. If you sign up for the War Room and you use the code episode 200 at checkout, it'll take 200 bucks off the annual membership for year one. And it'll take uh, 50% off your monthly membership for the first two months for joining. And that'll only be for this episode, and it'll only be good. This is gonna come out on Friday, which is the 17th. Uh, so St. Patty's Day, woo woo! And this is also my birthday week. I'm recording this the day after my birthday. Um, so 17th. So it'll be good until the 31st of March. So there you go. So if by midnight on the 31st of March, you use episode 200, you'll get 200, off the annual membership and 75 or 50% off the monthly membership for two months. I've never discounted it that much, but episode 200 is big to me. So that's the special offer for making it all the way through this. As always, if you haven't done so, so far, grab the No BS Guide to Military Life, the Military Millionaire Planner. You can get hard copies both on Amazon or on the website at formilitarymillionaire.com slash books. Uh, or... You can get the free PDF, and for 17 bucks, you can get the digital download of this if you like the fillable copies. And uh, that's all I got, folks. Please leave a review, subscribe on your favorite platform, and share if you got something valuable out of this or the community or the podcast. And then comment what you'd like to see over the next year that would make the podcast more valuable to you, what kind of guests you want. Anything and everything because we are going to crank it up to 11 in 2023, 4, 5, 10, whatever, and have a great day. Dave out. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.